What's going on, everybody? It's Monday, August 15th, and this is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Nick Costco. With me today is going to be Dave Woods of Bruin Report Online, covering all things UCLA athletics. And of course, we're going to dive into UCLA season preview for the upcoming college football season in 2022. We'll see what Chip Kelly can do in this next season after having an 8-4 and record last fall. Canceled bowl game, but there seem to be bigger expectations for the Bruins moving forward here in just a few weeks. So pleased to welcome in now Dave Woods of Room Report Online. Dave, appreciate you joining me, man. And I have to start out first with fall camp underway right now. Your big observation so far as we're in the early stages of camp before the season starts. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Chip Kelly era, which means we only see about 20 minutes at the beginning of each practice. Um, but in those 20 minutes, there's definitely been some stuff to observe. I think the biggest takeaway right now is just how much transfers are impacting this roster. If you go up and down the defense, up and down the offense, I mean, starting left tackle is going to be a transfer from Rutgers and Raekwon O'Neal. Uh, starting middle linebacker is going to be Darius Muasau, a transfer from Hawaii. Starting defensive end, at least one of them, maybe both, are going to be transfers from North Texas and Gabriel Murphy and Grayson Murphy. So just up and down the roster, so many new faces who are coming in as veterans, just not veterans from this squad. I can gather from that answer right there, it's basically a veteran team, but how does that mesh, though, with all these transfers? Yeah, and I, I talked to Darius Musau actually about that today, and just how do you especially if you're coming in in a leadership role, if you're coming in as a middle linebacker, how do you actually take over as a, you know, kind of the voices for that team when you're a transfer in? Um, and he said it's actually been good. Uh, they've got a really good culture. They, they've they been talking a lot this offseason about an NFL culture. And if we know anything about the NFL, there's a lot of free agents every year coming into new teams and having to integrate quickly. And the idea is with all that coaching experience, you know, they've got many defensive coaches with DC experience, even at the NFL level. They're hoping that that helps to integrate and provide a, kind of a professional atmosphere proof will be in the pudding i mean it'll depend on what we see during the season but there's a lot of good talk about that and it's it's something they're recognizing that that's that's something could be a potential issue that they're trying to address with um that they tried to address with coaching hires as well as how they integrated these guys over the offseason i was going to mention you know the professional atmosphere and obviously you can you could point right to chip kelly who was with the philadelphia eagles and of course the san francisco 49ers for a few years before returning to the college game so he has experience as a head coach at both levels but when you say an nfl atmosphere is that a good thing or a bad thing for these college kids knowing that this is a veteran team going or coming back here in 2022? It's So I think it's got positive and negative elements. I think the positive elements are mostly felt by the team. I think they want to be coached by NFL guys. I think there's a really good feel around that. I think getting Ken Norton Jr. back on campus, you know, he's a former Bruin from playing days. He's had a number of stints in the NFL now. Getting him back on campus as a linebackers coach, I think the players love it. They love him. He's been great. I think, and he's been actually an asset in recruiting, so he's not even relevant to my, my pivot point here, but the problem with NFL coaches a lot of times is that they're not used to the recruiting game, the recruiting grind. And I think it makes it even more of this self-fulfilling prophecy as far as transfers, because it's a slightly different recruiting game. It doesn't require quite as much mileage, you know, quite as many hours out at high school games on Friday nights. And I think it perpetuates this, this transfer reliance for UCLA, where they're essentially taking the thing that is most like NFL free agency and using it as their main form of uh, roster building and roster management. So let's talk about the guys who have been here and that are, have been able to return here in 2022. Dorian Thompson-Robinson at quarterback. Zach Charbonnet, of course, a former Michigan running back, is back again for UCLA here in 2022. 
Lethal combination just last season. Now they are both back. And of course, there were a lot of questions about DTR and whether he was going to come back at quarterback. Of course, the Dylan Gabriel transfer fell through. He he ends up going to Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. coming out of UCF. So with these two guys back, Dave, what's the expectation for these two guys in the backfield, knowing that they are that good of a lethal combination? They're going to be very good. I think that's the reality. The floor should be, they're going to be very good. Um, The question is, so with Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I think a lot of people formed their opinions of him as a player based on his first two years. He's entering his fifth year at UCLA now. His fifth year getting reps because of the COVID eligibility rule. He's going to go down as one of the most experienced quarterbacks in UCLA history, and he's gotten better every single year. Junior year, he was good. The 2020 COVID shortened year. 2021, he was really good. And this year, I mean, if he continues on his arc of progression, he could be right there with Caleb Williams for best quarterback in the Pac-12 this year. Zach Charbonnet, I mean, last year, if he he didn't really even start the first three games. Um, he was backing up Britton Brown. He's going to put up numbers that are, I think the last UCLA running back who would have been close would have been Paul Perkins in 2015. It's going to be a 14 or 1500 yard season if he stays healthy. Um, And, you know, that's always the knock on wood. But if these guys stay healthy, they should have put up some pretty incredible numbers. Chip Kelly's very high on wide receiver Jake Bobo. What are your thoughts on him? Absolutely. Um, So Bobo is something they haven't had at UCLA under Chip Kelly, which is that outside receiver with real size. Um, They've had some guys who basically use that position as a blocking role, but most of the work has been done out of the tight end position or the slot. It's all been the inside receivers. Uh, Bobo's a different beast. He's about 6'5", and he got even more built this offseason. He's got, like, full-on offensive line shoulders now um but he's uh he was i think a 74 catch guy at duke last year um they have not had that i think they're going to be replacing kyle phillips's production which was in the slot last year with jake bobo um and i think it's going to change the the emphasis of the offense in some ways they're going to be throwing it outside a little bit more but he's going to be a focal point i would say he's going to be one of the two main targets in the passing game so based on what you've been able to see albeit in a limited sense at practice of course the way chip kelly runs things you know he revolutionized the offensive game in college football back when he was in oregon brought that new method to the nfl and revolutionized it at least a little bit with the philadelphia eagles now that he brought it back to ucla i mean what have you noticed him as a coach offensively i mean is it still one of those systems that are that that that's going to blow your mind a little bit? Or is it, you know what, he's adjusted now to the current college game, and now he's just adapting with his players? I think it's much more the latter. I don't think there is, there's not some like innovation that you can just put a pin in and say that's what Chip Kelly's doing at UCLA. I would say much more, he's he's embraced the versatility of the tight end um, in the way that the modern NFL has. They've really, really hinged a lot of the offense around how they use their tight ends, where they're putting them, how they're creating mismatches with them. What I would say is he's turned the offense into essentially a Swiss army knife. It's able to do a wide variety of things in a given week and from week to week, you know, the game plan can completely shift from one week to the next, which is essentially an NFL type innovation, you know, because in the NFL, they have so much film work, they have so much prep work that they can basically run an entirely new scheme week to week because there's so much time to get ready. Somehow he's cracked the code, I think, on doing that at the college level when you don't necessarily have that prep time. Maybe it's just doing a few things, but doing them really, really well week to week. But whatever it is, it's worked. I don't think it's it's quite at the Oregon level where it was just this absolute monster that nobody had any idea how to stop. 
But if you look at the personnel that UCLA has had through the last three years and then look at their offensive production, I don't think there's any question they've outproduced what the personnel necessarily should have created. So essentially what you're saying is he can go one week, run the power eye, the very next week he puts that spread offense out there. So do you think this could be the next innovation in college football offense is taking another book out of the Chip Kelly playbook at least, or another page, I should say? Yeah, but it's not going to be... So the thing what I would say is it's not going to be so easily copied because it's so much of it, I think, goes into the prep work. So much of it goes into the practice work. Whereas with the blur, you could look at it and say, well, they're going really fast. So maybe if we just go really fast, we're going to be pretty good too. And for large part in 2010, that was the case. If you decided to run your offense super fast, you were going to be pretty good. This isn't as easily copied, but yeah, I mean, I think there's an element here that he is doing something a little bit different with um, how they're preparing week to week. We're going to step aside and take a quick break. On the other side, we'll look at some larger picture things for UCLA moving forward in 2022 and the future. Keep it locked here. This is the College Football Daily. So, Dave, I wanted to ask you about this, and it's a question that's probably been asked a lot over the summer after conference realignment. UCLA and, of course, USC are going over to the Big Ten in 2024 now. I could ask you what this means for UCLA. We know what it means. It's a bigger conference, essentially, and conference expansion. But is this topic overshadowing UCLA and maybe even USC going into this year? I mean, it's not going to happen until 2024. So what's the what's the topic about this conference realignment at practice in the program? What have you seen? So if you've ever heard Chip Kelly talk, he couldn't. I mean, he couldn't begin to provide a meaningful quote about this in any real way. Who knows what his internal monologue is like? I think you're, you've kind of hit the nail on the head. The reality is it's two years away, whatever it's going to look like. And this year, nobody's talking really about UCLA. And with good reason. I mean, it's been a, a really bad four years, maybe five years, maybe six years, whatever you want to call it. This year, it's one of the easiest schedules UCLA's ever had. They've got experience at a lot of spots. It could easily be a nine-win team. I think there's potential for 10. So it could be one of the better UCLA teams in recent memory. And that is, I think, getting overshadowed a little bit. But I think UCLA wouldn't have it any other way. The least amount of attention possible is what they're what they're going for um, going into a season. So I think they're they're kind of happy with it. But from the Big Ten thing, I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement in the administrative circles. I think there's a lot of excitement in the fan base. But I think it, it would be um, I would be remiss not to acknowledge that there are some people who are, you know, a little bit more reserved about it. I think there is some element where the fan base would have liked to maintain traditions with a lot of these other schools in the Pac-12. Uh, I think for the coaches, it's a mixed bag. I mean, I, I think they, they recognize the realities that the money is necessary, but I think for the coaches at all the sports, those road trips are not not attractive. Um, having to you know do that three or four times a year in football or uh, nine times a year in basketball or whatever it ends up being is, is, is a little bit different from going to Stanford and Cal uh, every other year. No doubt. So you mentioned how it's a quieter offseason. It's a quieter buildup to the fall for UCLA compared to USC, of course, which mm-hmm. brings in Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison. Everyone's thinking about USC as running the Pac-12 once again under Lincoln Riley. But I wanted to ask you about the comparison between these two schools right now because it seems like, as you mentioned, the easier schedule right now for UCLA could set them up for 9-10 wins, while USC, while a lot of new faces and talented faces – they have to mesh. And of course, it's a brand new program at this point under Lincoln Rise. So how do you weigh the comparison between UCLA and USC in 2022? Yeah, it's an interesting spot because I think you could make a you could make a fair argument that UCLA had a window while USC was kind of fumbling things away during the Clay Helton era. And that window 
if it isn't slammed shut at this point, it's it's closing rapidly. This year, though, may still present an opportunity for UCLA to make a surge because USC, if you look at that roster, they've added a ton of transfer talent. Um, line play still might be a question mark. And who knows how quickly you mesh with a new scheme and all that stuff. UCLA, for all of its warts, has continuity from year to year. They have not only the same offensive staff, but they have the same quarterback, the same running back. And for the large part, they've upgraded their defensive personnel. So there's reason to think UCLA could still be pretty good. I'm excited to see that UCLA-USC game at the end of the year. I think it could be telling for maybe the, the immediate future of this rivalry. But for USC's purposes, I think they're going to be good. The question is whether they're going to be really good. And I think the reality is because of the amount of money, because of the amount of hype that's gone into the Lincoln-Riley era, and because of the, these transfers coming in who are immediate impact guys, I don't know that he's going to get much of a honeymoon. I think the expectation probably baseline over over in USC was, would probably be nine and three. And if it's anything less than that, I think there's going to be some serious disappointment in that fan base. So you mentioned the praise, but also a potential disappointment for that side. But for UCLA and Chip Kelly, of course, he was given the new contract extension after last year. Of course, they go eight and four. Best season underneath him. And it's been taking him a while to basically rebuild this program. But what kind of pressure is on him? now considering all the hype surrounding USC and the fact that this window is very small and this could be the lone year UCLA or UCLA has to potentially win a Pac-12 title. Yeah, so this is, it's a really interesting discussion because the extension that he got is not really a, it wasn't a huge vote of confidence. Um, it's an extension that I think the buyout is completely gone after this season. So it's, it's basically what you give a coach who you're not super happy with, but you don't necessarily want to test the waters right then. I think the, the bigger pressure on Chip Kelly is probably the Big Ten move, the impending Big Ten move, because it's one thing to go into the, that conference, you know, with a coach you really like and who you feel really good about. But I think he needs to show something if he wants to be the UCLA head coach heading into the Big Ten conference, because money's going to change. Um, there's going to be less financial pressure on the UCLA athletic department, and they're going to be more flexible and able to make changes when they need to make them. And if if he doesn't have a good year this year, I could absolutely see them making a change after this season. I think there is quite a bit of pressure on him. The thing is, though, the schedule is easy enough that I think even, you know, eight and four, while it might be disappointing for the fan base, it might be enough for the administration to say, okay, let's roll it forward another year. And then if we have to change, let's do it the first year of the Big Ten. So my next question will be is, can eight and four be good enough to win enough to get to that Pac-12 title game? Of course, the divisions are gone now and everyone seems to be picking Utah or Oregon to win this conference. But it seems to me at least that Utah, or excuse me, uh, UCLA could be a dark horse pick to win the Pac-12 this year because of that easy schedule we have to mention again, yeah, yeah. What, what what do you foresee UCLA here in 2022? Yeah, I would say right now, based on what we saw in the spring and the limited we've seen in the fall, I think they're going to be pretty good. Uh, big question mark is offensive line and the tackle play beyond Raekwon O'Neal. Basically, if there's a single injury, there's going to be depth concerns. But looking at the schedule... I've got it at nine and three now, and I think that makes Chip Kelly safe. I don't think that will get them in the Pac-12 title game. I don't think that'll be enough just looking at the relative schedules for all the other teams, especially because I think that would be three and oh in non-conference and six and three in conference. And only in the divisions would you actually have gotten that as a title game. Um, I think in this new era without divisions, that'll be hard hard to do. Dave Woods joining me on the College Football Daily. Dave, appreciate you joining me today. Where can everybody find you on social media? 
Yeah, I'm on Twitter at David David Woods, um, and you can find me every day at BruinReportOnline.com. Best UCLA coverage you can find anywhere on 247sports.com. Dave, appreciate you joining me, man, as always. Hope to talk again soon. We'll see if UCLA is knocking on the door of a Pac-12 title, and who knows, maybe a uh, dark horse college football playoff contender. You never know down the line here in 2022. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Dave Woods with me on the College Football Daily. UCLA is going to be a very fascinating team here in 2022. Chip Kelly, can he improve upon eight wins? We shall see. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they are going to be the big brother to USC in 2022, at least for the meantime. But again, it remains to be seen. Follow me on Twitter at NickCosco59. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe this video on YouTube. And of course, share our YouTube channel, 24-7 Sports. And be sure to download this wherever you get your podcasts. Like and share as well. Once again, this is the College Football Daily. I'm Nick Costco for 24-7 Sports.